Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to It's Sabres Live Overtime. It's the Baby Grand Edition. I'm with the Baby Dominator, so says Hockey Reference, and we're talking about a grand milestone for Kyle Oposo. Have you not looked at yourself on uh, Hockey Reference lately, Marty? The Baby Dominator? The Baby Dominator is right under your name. What is up with that? Okay, so I'll tell you this. A nickname that Jim Pizzatelli tried to get stick to me and never worked was the Thermominator because he <laughs> said I was about as thin as a thermometer. You know, the old, like, mercury thermometer or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, we have the dominator. We should have the thermominator. And that never stuck. But I thought it was pretty funny. Better, better than the baby dominator. He didn't tell you the truth. It's because you ran real hot and real cold statistically. I think that's <laughs> I think that's what he was getting at, quite frankly. We'll dive into Kyle Oposo and his thousandth game coming up too. But man, oh man, it's nice when, well, not nice because you wish it was a nicer talking point right now. Yes. But it's nice when people in leadership positions like Don Granado volunteer his thoughts on a particular issue. <laughs> and when he said to the assembled media on Monday, um, if you think you're aggravated by the power play, trust <laughs> me, I'm more aggravated. Right. So he opened the door for more <clears throat> conversation about what might largely be the ultimate difference maker for this team, not because they have to go from 11% up to 30% to yeah. be a playoff team. They might just need to go up six, seven, eight percent So the rest of the team feels comfortable and gets better at five on five. And the margins are so small. I am been cracking up numbers this morning on the power play to try to see what's the difference, right? What's the difference between a team that is good on entry towards a team that is not good on entry. So it's like the Sabres right now on entry three they're 25th they run about 55 percent of controlled entries when they're on the power play the best teams are at 69 percent it's 15 percent you don't have to say i want to be a best team but can you be at 61 percent from 55 like that would make a huge difference right how about this one um, shots on net from the slot the sabers are 31st right now shots on net from the slot if they were 15th, it would be three quarter of a shot on net from the slot per game. Not like five shots on goal from the slot from, from per game. No, get one more shot on net from the slot. At the end, maybe over three games, it's a goal. And that goal is a win. Right. And we knew going into this season, if they could lop a half goal off on goals against, they would be fine. And they are. They're 15th yeah. in the league right now at 3.13. They can live with that. They just have to get the goals for ahead of 2.9 and backed up to 3.2 or 3.3. That's yeah. all that needs to happen here. And there's more than enough talent, which Kyle Opozo spoke of. And look, it does, you know, I think people get tired of hearing that because they're in the show me window. And yes. Don validated that statement again today by saying in reference to Matt Savoy going back to junior in reference to certain lineup decisions. He said, look how I'm coaching. Like we shorten the bench way more now than we did before. Mm -hmm. Why? Because of our, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but with everything he said at the start of the season and now 
He's coaching more. He has to coach more. There's an urgency to get to where they want to go now based on the experiences learned by this group. So, you know, we saw it here in this building on Friday night. They largely went with eight forwards mm -hmm. in the third period to win that game against Minnesota. He's done 11 and seven a few times because it's a need, but he switched his lines. Like last year, it was Thompson, Skinner, Tuck, like all right. season until the end. Now we've seen many different variations. But I will say this, something that we talked post-game on Saturday night, I believe, is, you know, what's, what's next with the lines in the lineup? And I think there may be now a point where coaching less, maybe more, in effect, okay, let's get some stability, like rotating guys in if and he, out, trying to can. get the energy, may have run its course. Now you got to go back to, okay, let's – Stabilize things, but you're missing Alex Tuck. And Thank he you, because you be, have numbers on that. Yeah, he won't be there Tuesday. And they said, hopefully Friday, right? But so what's the number one complaint after the Pittsburgh game when it came to Sabres offense? Not Same as Duma Montreal game. Second opportunities, rebounds? Not enough of them. Skill was there. Will wasn't. And you got to drive to the net. Yeah. So when you look at, Second chance, rebound chances this year. The Sabres are 19th in the National Hockey League. So it's not bad. Like, could you be a little bit better? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. In the last two games, without Alex Tuck, the Sabres are 29th. Like, Alex Tuck is a big part of being in front of the net and getting rebound opportunities. And I'm not talking power play. I'm talking even strength. Correct. Right? So look at the guys this season that stand out. The top five, when you look at rebound, even strength, second opportunities, right? F F Tuck is at the top. Paterka is at the top. Greenway's at the top. Skinner's at the top. Krebs is in there. Like, you didn't have Krebs either last game. So that's one of those things, right? In the last two games, the only person, there's only one Sabres at even strength that register a rebound shot from the slot. It was J.J. Paterka. Mm -hmm. That's it. Nobody yeah. else got a shot on net on a rebound from the slot. Maybe they got one from the you know side of the net. Maybe they got one from the outside. But nobody other than J.J. Paterka in the last two games, when Tuck hasn't been there, have gotten that opportunity. And Krebs, not their last game, affected that as well. Krebs was dealing with a, a family matter. Um, mm -hmm. It was really nice to see him on the ice today and Don Granado with a, you know, kind of arm around him and pat on the back. And I will say this for, for what it's worth. And, and Don singled me out for not, you know, being at practice often. He did it the polite way of saying, Hey, nice <laughs> to see you. But I knew yeah. it meant like, I'm not here enough, but uh, no, like, like actually it, if I'm being honest and evaluating, like Peyton had a really good practice. Like there was just incredible determination in, in, yeah. in, in shooting, not unlike what I saw weeks ago uh, with Paterka. And I turned to you and said like, JJ has got to believe in his shot. And I hope that there is some belief instilled in Peyton Krebs here to be able to do more. But I wanted to hit, hit quickly just with the absence of talk, like we're seeing in practice and in all likelihood Tuesday cousins with Thompson and Skinner. Yeah. So they've played almost seven minutes together this year, which is not mm -hmm. a lot. You know how many play minutes they played together last year? Seven. Seven. And you know how many minutes they played the year before together? Probably three. Seven. Seven. So, yeah. And in those combined 21 minutes, they have one goal for zero against, but more high danger chances against than four. So yeah, th this is like, it's three of your best players. I get it but it's also a top line that hasn't spent a lot of time together. So it's, it can't just be this one line team against a really, really good 
Boston Bruins team. All these things we've spoken about already are like super heightened going into Tuesday's matchup. Yeah, I mean, defensively, they're going to have to be at their best. And, you know, Don Granado has mentioned before, we have to, and it was last year in the last 10 games of the season, we have to find ways to win games in a different ways. But I'm looking at it more like, how are you going to score against this 935 save percentage Boston team? And then Caloposo says, we got to stop trying to be everybody else. We got to be ourselves. So now what's, what's the true identity? Is this this team that is going to, you know, try to win? Because Pittsburgh game on Saturday night was really like a one, nothing game. You look at it, it's a four zero, but maybe it's a one, nothing game at the end of it. Are you the team that tries to win games? One, nothing two one, or are you going to be the team that tries to win five, four, six, five, and who knows what happens, right? Like against Minnesota, it was Friday night, hockey fights, cancer night. Devin Levi gave him that chance to say, hey, you know what? Maybe we'll score only three, but I'm going to be the one that's going to make the big saves. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was more the Sabres identity that we saw Friday as opposed to what we saw on Saturday is, well, we played well. We had some chances, not enough second chances, but it was a one nothing type of game. Do you know why I led with the baby dominator? Uh, Because I look like a baby. (laughs) <laughs> because I was looking back to when your career began, which was 99, 2000. And why yeah. would I draw a reference point from that to today for the Sabres? Well, it was, you know, the year before was a Stanley Cup. Yeah, year. no, no, we're not talking about the year before. I'm talking about your first year. What happened team wide in that season that this current, no, that this current group is dealing with? Three goalies. No. Although that's probably very true because you were living the experience. No, Marty, in the 46 years that the NHL has kept track of special teams, the Sabres have never had a worse power play than what they're currently running at than the season of 99-2000 where they finished (laughs) at 10.5%. They're at 11.1 right now, and it's obviously a very small sample. The reason I bring it up, Detroit led the league that year. They were only at 20%. It wasn't a very big gap. It was a Mm -hmm. dead puck era. Now you're 20% behind the best team in the NHL. And that's a huge gap. And that's why it's important that you have to make this up and make some inroads here in this category. So uh, I was just chuckling thinking, there's Marty Baran, baby dominator, standing back there every night thinking, power play needs to be a lot better if I'm going to get more wins. <laughs> well, I, I hope I wasn't focusing on the power play back then because I needed to focus on my game. But I do remember um, those few years where if you had a 90% penalty kill, that was that was good. Like 85% was average, 90% was good. So a 15% you, you were power play. That, you were 85 yeah, that year. Yeah. That was average. That was, that was you know, now 85% is top of the league. Like, it's like, man, we're at 85%. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So that's really was a difference back then. Now, I, but. You okay. also finished uh, 10th in Calder voting that year. Can you name any of the nine guys ahead of you? Oh my goodness. Uh, yes, I would suggest that. Bobby Boucher was probably up there ahead of me. You mean Brian? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Boucher. Scott Gomez? Scott Gomez won the Calder. Yeah. Um, hmm, that's about where I could stop right now. Brad Stewart, Mike York, Simone Gagne, Alex Tange, J.S. Oban, Trevor Latowski, and Jan Halavich. How the hell did J.S. Oban got ahead of me? Mm-hmm. Like, how did I let that happen? He had a good year with Pittsburgh. and. He did. Uh, he did. 
then he wanted, then he held out. He wanted more money. But anyway, but you talk about the power play and the penalty kill. Another thing too is now lately on the penalty kill, it's gone a little bit the wrong direction, right? You give up power play goals and, you know, you've got to be able to make a big difference. Five and, in the last four games. Okay, so here's the big thing on the penalty kill. I know that the Sabres want to play this power, aggressive type of let's get uh, quick on, on closing down, but the slot is open right now. And that has been a trend where teams are going to make that bumper play and turn around and fire shots from the slot. 30th, the Sabres are right now in slot shots or passes to the slot against and slot shots against on the on the PK. So that's something that definitely needs to change. Uh, anything else lineup wise beyond what we've discussed already, which looks like cousins on the top line with Thompson, the consistency of the middle stat line with Greenway and Paterka. And then, you know, probably based on what we saw on Monday uh, with Krebs back in Rusek, Krebs, Olofsson, like in reality, if these three are going to be together, they have to find a way to create some offense. They are going to find uh, to have to find a way to create some offense. Look, you've got Zach Benson that returned to practice. You've got Brandon Byro that returned to practice. So there could be a couple of uh, bodies that will return that may take your spot. Like if you don't create offense, you may mm -hmm. see yourself, uh, you know, on the outside looking in. And 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 it's not like you can look at the overall game. And I look at Gergensons and Caloposo and Tyson Joseph in their overall game. They have a role to fill. And Don Granato even talking about Kyle's 1,000 game. He said, hey, his game this year has evolved even from last year. Mm -hmm. I think he trusts those guys. But the expectations offensively are not going to be the same as if you are Olofsson, Krebs, and Rusak. You're going to have to to score. Every coach wants secondary scoring and wants depth scoring. And, well, right now, unfortunately, you don't get that depth scoring because it's Thompson line or Middlestat line. And then after that, it hits a big, big stop. Folks, when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny or Buffalo Creek, the sports lounge features the latest lines, multiple screens, so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Happy birthday, Marty, to the franchise. Oh. Gilbert Perot, 73 and... Man, I love the fact that whenever his name comes up amidst our fan base, social media, otherwise, the vivid memories come popping out for every single person that was witness to his glorious career. Well, when I saw your tweet and then multiple other tweets wishing Gilbert Perot a happy birthday, then you go in and you look at all the highlights, right? The skating, the movement, the the size. He was such a big man on the ice. Well, he uh, had big hips and bow legs, so that was yeah. He looked the... <laughs> very thick at the bottom, right? That's what it is. But I'll tell you this: you say you said he was seventy three today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago, ten days ago. He was in Buffalo and saw him at the game. He doesn't look 73. He looks like he did 10 years ago. And I yeah. remember years when I was playing, when Gilbert would make appearances to the game and then he would sing to the crowd and the crowd would just eat it up with his Elvis, you know, impersonation. Or it wasn't even impersonation. It was just Gilbert Perot singing Elvis Presley. But right. man, he's such a, a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. And the franchise, I mean, without him, who knows how this uh, team and organization would have... Uh, 
you know, jumped off the start and he, he was the franchise. And because we talk about this a lot, um, sadly, because it's the reality of uh, life and death, um, really sad to hear about Roman Czechmanic over the course yeah. of this uh, weekend, passed away at 52 and, um, you know, like you, a fellow Flyers yeah. alum, and it was a, a brief headlining career for him in the NHL, but one that was acknowledged with a second team all-star, a Jennings, yeah. um, very close, you know, in uh, Vesna and Hart balloting, mm -hmm. like he... He had, I mean, he was an unforgettable netminder in the early 2000s. Truly remarkable save percentage and just a very, very sad story. When I was in Philly, I always was impressed because we had a big wall of all players that have gotten uh, individual awards, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, Vesna, Hart, whatever, Art Ross. And, and then there was second team all-star and there was Roman Chickman. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. That means like you were voted as the second best goaltender in the national hockey league. That's how good he was in his year in Philly. Now I understand he had a weird quirky style and he was more of a stand-up, almost like Ron Extall was at time, like challenge goalies and sit on his feet. And he was victimizing a uh, playoff game where he lost his glove and tried to reach down to get the gloves just to see the puck go over his head and in the top of the net. Um, but he uh, he left his mark and he was Dominic Kashuk's backup in 98 when they won the gold medal in Nagano. Um, he, he had a fantastic career, 52 years young. That is way, way, way too young, unfortunately. So when I saw that, I did have a pit in my stomach. I didn't know him. Maybe met him once, shook his hand, hey, good game, whatever type thing. Yeah. Uh, but uh, really left a, a weird pit in my stomach for sure. Okay, uh, crazy stats around the NHL right oh. now. Uh, Roman's last team was actually the LA Kings uh, yep. in the NHL. The Kings are 1-3-3 three, and three at home. That's one win in seven games. They're 7-0 on the road. Who are they? What are they? Uh, they are a team that is built for the road. They go down three deep come at center. Come on, come on. There's got to the be a thing. better answer. <laughs> but here's the thing. I, I don't have that right in front of me, but they have Cam Talbot who's played well. Mm -hmm. And I want to say Phoenix Copley has played two of those games at home that they that they lost, right? So that's the big thing. Like Phoenix Copley not done well for them this year. Uh, hey, here's a weird stat for you. I'm 1-0 in face-offs in my career. My only face-off win was against Roman Chikmanek. He was with Daly Kings. We honored Ron Extall in Philadelphia, and the goalies got to take the ceremonial first drop. But Winston Philly, I'm winning the draw. I'm not letting Chikmanek win it. So because we talked about Roman Chikmanek, he was with LA at the time, and me in Philly, I'm one and oh. That's a weird stat if you want to put that in your stack. Unofficial, for sure. Unofficial, yes. Uh, Rangers 9-0-1 in the last 10. Why are we again seeing a Laviolette effect? Because I look at them last night. They're down 3-2 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And you see is, I like to call it mean mugging. He is so <laughs> intense on the bench. Yeah. He's staring. They're down 3-2. He's staring at guys. And I want to say that there is a huge, huge firecracker lit up on their knee. You know what? And they're going. And when he cracks the whip, they go. I know this is a the Rangers are a fantastic team. Don't don't get me wrong. And they're doing it right now without Igor Shesterkin. But that's Laviolette is one of those coaches that pushes, 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 and has tons of respect. And guys are a little scared of him, to be honest with you. So they're they they jump start the season so they don't have to deal with him. Who's better in the NHL this year? Home teams or road teams? 
I'm going to say home teams, but home it's teams, not that close. It's not that, it's not that te- uh, far. Home teams are 566 in points percentage. Road teams are 533. There is a grand total of five goals differential between the two. Stop telling me that home ice advantage exists in any sport in the year 2023. Quinn Hughes, 264 points in 298 games. Rasmus Dahlin, 244 points in 370 games. Is this a thing that makes you go, hmm, from the draft class of 2018? Absolutely not. I love Quinn Hughes. He's a great player. I'll take Rasmus Dahlin uh, any day of the week. And listen, maybe you're in Vancouver. You say, I'll take Quinn Hughes over Rasmus Dahlin. I get that. I just feel the physicality, the size is a big thing. But Quinn Hughes is having one of those seasons right now that calls for maybe a Norris nomination at the end of the year. We'll have to see. Which player is sixth in scoring on the Edmonton Oilers right now? Um, I am going to say Vander Kane. Connor McDavid. Thanks for playing along. All right. (laughs) Players that you think teams are regretting not picking up in the offseason. I'll give you a bunch. Brock Besser, JT Miller, Travis Sanheim, Tristan Jari, Sean Dursey, Alex DeBrinkett, Cam Talbot, and Matt Duchesne. Do you have any other guys that teams might wish they had made a bigger play for here in this early part of the season? I don't have any other because I'm looking at that list and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Brock Besser. It's not just in the offseason. It was last season when Mm -hmm. Vancouver was in disarray and they traded Borovat and Brock Besser wanted out. And are you kidding me right now, Brock Besser? He's second in goals in the National Hockey League behind Austin Matthews. He could win a Rocket Richard. Brock Besser, come <laughs> on. And that's one. Cam Talbot. I always like Cam Talbot. I know yeah. it didn't work in Ottawa and then, you know, whatever. But L.A., they they, they went cheap in that. Everybody yeah, said that's not going to work. But Cam Talbot is getting the job done right now. It's the L.A. way. Cost of living is low out there. Uh, tra- He's well, sharing an apartment with somebody else. Yeah. Big save, Dave. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trevor Zegras has two points in 12. How's this going to end for him with Anaheim eventually? Um, it, it's not going to be the Mighty Ducks happy ending. That's one thing for sure. Uh, he's not going to win the trophy at the end. I don't have I- to be negative. I shouldn't be negative. Do you think it's just a blip? No, I don't. On the I, I think Trevor Zegras is flash and it's great to see flash, but at some point they got to do more than flash in the NHL. And that's why like a guy like Andrei Svechnikov, right? He does the lacrosse goals and whatever, but he also brings so much more regularly to the ice that when he tries to do the, the lacrosse goal, it's like, okay, it's not his, his, his identity. It's what he does on top of his identity. Zegras, that's his identity right now. Uh, I like the kid, and uh, yet it seems like it's unavoidable every season, and now timely with Boston being the next opponent for Buffalo. Jake DeBrusque, one goal in 13, and it just seems like the the rumor cycle begins anew. You know, like what do, what do we make of Jake DeBrusque here? Jake DeBrusque is the new Josh Anderson, right? It's uh, like the yeah. guy that you big and strong and drives the net power forward play top line if you want to and whatnot, but always leaves you wanting more. And then we'll give you that like, oh, look at the performance. Like Josh Anderson can score, can skate, is big. But every other year or very inconsistent, you're like, I don't get enough. Jake DeBrusque the same way. I think I'm, I I would still take Jake DeBrusque on my team, but it would be like the Montreal Canadiens making the trade for Josh Anderson and then saying, oh man, why did we do that? A wise man told us today that face-offs matter. Do you agree with him? 
Um, they do if you get a shot right away. They don't if it's like in the corner and then you can recover. The, the or wise man was Don Granado talking about the power play. I, well, I that's why. I, okay, I, because I, their I can't shots, argue with them on this one. Their shots from a face-off win is last in the National Hockey League right now. That's another stat I looked up in the power play. They don't get any set plays off a face-off win. Well, they also don't win enough face-offs on the power play to set up plays, so that makes a big difference. How bitter will you be on Tuesday night when Kyle gets a silver stick and you're still waiting for yours? Um, I don't want to say I'm going to be bitter because now I'm not bitter at Kyle. I'm not bitter at the league. I'm, I'm bitter at everybody because the, the the Vegas Golden Knights went to the White House and they were there's a gold stick at the White House. So I'm like, everybody gets a, new, a, a gold stick, a silver stick. So now I'm like, OK, is it special? Yes, it's special. I want mine. Special <laughs> night for Kyle. We'll dive into that on Tuesday night on the broadcast. Last stat for you, Marty. One point better. That's the Sabres this year compared to a year ago. After spending an entire summer talking about one point, I find it very fitting to end the show this way, that the Sabres are improving, even if it's just one point at a time. What do you think? Uh, I, I think that's the first time you've ever brought in a glass half full type of attitude. No, maybe not the first time. Sorry. That's a, that's a little nasty by me. But I love that. I didn't think that was going to be the end of the show thinking, hey, they're better than they were last year. Uh -huh. And like, let's, let's give them a chance to get hot at some point. Eh, you know, um, it, it's, it's a lot more fun when Tuck is in the lineup and when you're, you got everybody going, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to say, you know what? One point better than last year at this time of year um, is a step in the right direction. Multiply it by like five or six times, you know, could be more than enough to get them in. Then again, it might not be. It is so tight in the Eastern Conference right now, Ugh. and the race will Can we continue. move to the West? Could we make a, a pitch to move the Sabres to the West? Detroit used to be in the West before. I'm kind of lobbying privately to do that personally here for a while. So like, <laughs> so we can travel a little bit, Duffer? Remember nice. Sabres Live from the beach in San Diego this summer? Yeah, that was like four From the rooftop dude. pool in San Jose? We could have done that once or twice. The Lazy River in Arizona? Arizona. We, we could have done that. <laughs> All right. That's a great way to end the end the show. And obviously, uh, big, big props to Kyle Opozo for yes. Game 1000, which happens on Tuesday night. And you'll, of course, hear it on WGR Sports Radio 550 and see it on MSG. We'll see you soon.